What is up, New Life? You guys doing all right today? Yeah, three or four of us. Man, it's a good morning. I had all these jokes lined up about it being uh, Time Change Sunday, and Ethan and James stole all of my thunder. But I have an idea. I have an idea. It's like time for another revolution in America. Like we need to do away with that completely. Anybody on board with that? So here's my plan. We're just going to tell all the churches to quit announcing it. Because that's the only place you guys ever hear about it is when we announce it at church. So, <laughs> any rate. Hey, we're in this series, God Never Said That. Um, before we get to this, I want to ask you to do something. <clears throat> on your note sheet there, up on the top, there, there's some blank space there. I want, I, want you to, uh, I want you to write yourself a reminder to pray for your pastors. And I'm not talking about just here in Cabot. I'm talking about statewide. Uh, maybe if you're new here and you don't know, we're part of a, a, a vision to reach the state of Arkansas. There's 17 campuses around the state. And God has got a lot of work for us to do, and the enemy doesn't like it. And, and so there's nothing wrong, there's nothing bad going on, but we just need God's help. And so I'd ask you, make a note there, remind yourself, maybe put it in your calendar, however you schedule your life, and pray for us all this week. Especially pray for James, because he's got to put up with me being on staff. Fair enough? Amen. Right? So, uh, so we're in this series, God Never Said That, and, and what we're doing is we're unpacking some truths where, where we've put things in our normal language that may or may not necessarily be from the Word of God, but we put them in this gospel gumbo that we have, and we've got all kinds of things in there that, that may or may not actually come from the Word of God. Like there's this phrase of only God can judge me. Anybody ever heard that? Anybody ever said that? Guess what? That's not Bible. That's Tupac. God helps those who help themselves. Man, that sounds like it could be Bible, but that's Benjamin Franklin. Okay? We put these things in, in our language. Last week, we talked about everything happens for a reason, and we want to blame God for all the, like he's up there playing a shell game in our life, and, and he's bringing everything to pass that happens, but the truth is God wants to take what happens because we live in a messed up world, and sometimes crazy things just happen, and he wants to take those things and work them for good. That's the shift in the truth. A couple weeks ago, we talked about God wants us to be happy. But the truth is, God wants us to be holy. And when we get holy and we line up with God's word, then we're going to be happy as a byproduct. Um, so we, we, we take all these sources. We, we listen to Tupac. We listen to Oprah, if you like her or not. We listen to Dr. Phil. We throw some of his stuff in there. We listen to Dr. Ruth and throw some of her stuff in there. We did that a couple weeks ago. And Dave Ramsey and, and Tony Robbins and, and all this stuff. And it's good, but it's not necessarily gospel. And so that's what we've been doing in this series of God Never Said That. So there's a couple of ways if you wanted to go back and hear these messages again. You can go to our website, newlifechurch.tv, or you can go to iTunes. We have a podcast on there from this campus. It's audio recordings of Pastor James and whoever speaks here. You can go check those out. So today I want to talk about this phrase. Maybe you've heard this. Maybe you've said it. I know I've said it a bunch. And I'm having to relook at how I say this. And the phrase is, God's never going to put on you more than you can handle. Anybody ever said that before? Well, God's just not going to put on me more than I can bear. And a lot of times we use that as, as almost a cop-out or we're blaming God or, or we're looking at God going, you must think way more of me than I think of myself because if you think I can handle what's going on right now, then something's up. So I don't understand that. Obviously, somebody that would say this, they don't have multiple kids. And they've never stepped on those kids' Legos in the dark. Because if that happens, you're like, well, that's too much. Can't handle that. 
So here's the verse where we get this idea. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. It says this, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he'll also provide a way out of it so that you can endure it. Okay? We look at this, at this verse and we see that phrase, beyond what you can bear, and that's probably where this phrase comes from that we use. Let, let me point out some truth. This scripture is not talking about life in general. It's just not. What it is talking about is temptation. And it does give us some very great truth here about temptation. With every temptation that comes your way, we have a choice. With, with every opportunity to go chase that shiny thing that pulls us away from God, we have a choice. We can either go do that thing and give in to the temptation, or we can rely on God and know that he's going to provide a way out of that moment of temptation, and we can choose not to follow sin. We can choose to follow God. In every circumstance, we have a choice to obey God and his word. The scripture is also not saying that you can handle life completely on your own. Okay? It's, it's just not saying that. Most of us, in, at some point in our life, and probably a good percentage of us even right now, are, are facing things in our lives that are too much for us to handle. Anybody want to be honest and say, that's where I'm at right now. I got my hand up. Okay? So this is what the word is for us today. We can get and we will get overwhelmed from time to time. It's just truth. Some people, however, never get overwhelmed. They're like this happy-go-lucky, go with the flow, like nothing upsets me. It doesn't matter what life brings at me. It doesn't matter. We're just like living the Bobby McFerry song, don't worry. Yep, y'all know that song. <laughs> okay, so if this is you, if, if I'm just describing the way that you live, can I let you in on a little bit of a truth? The rest of us, we hate you. We just do. Like the Bible says, be angry and sin not. So we're, we, we're very careful not to take it to the sin part, but we hate you if that's the way you live life. Because the rest of us, from time to time, we get overwhelmed. And can I show you that it's biblical to get overwhelmed? Let's look at Psalm 61, verse 2. From the ends of the earth, I cry to you for help when my heart is overwhelmed. Not if, not maybe, but when. And from the ends of the earth, it doesn't matter where I go, if I'm all the way on this side or if I'm all the way on that side, no matter where I am in life, I'm going to get overwhelmed. Psalm 142.3, when I'm overwhelmed, again, not if, but when, you alone know the way I should turn. The writer's saying here, I know that this is going to happen. It has happened, it will happen again, and when it does, God, you know what I'm supposed to do from here. That's a key element, Okay. So what does it mean to be overwhelmed? Some words that would describe this is to be like upside down or submerged, like something come along and, and knocked you off your feet and you don't know what to do. So the picture I get there is you're out playing in the surf, not in the Gulf of Mexico because that's fake surf, it's little bitty baby stuff, but like out on the big coasts where you've got waves taller than I am. And you're playing and, and, and whatever and, and you take your focus off of the waves and all of a sudden something comes and hits you the giant wave that you didn't see coming, and you spend about 10 or 15 seconds trying to figure out where the bottom is so you can stand up again. And about the time you stand up, you take a big breath, and that next wave hits you. And then you do the same thing over and over again. And after about the third or fourth wave, you don't even know which way is up. You don't know how you got here. You don't know how you're going to get back out of this. 
there's this big fancy word that describes that feeling you have right then, and it's the word discombobulated. Like you don't even know how, how did I even get here? I'm just confused as all get out, right? But a lot of times when we find ourselves in that position as humans, we think if I just man up, if I'll just stick my feet in the ground and start putting one foot in front of the other, I can walk my way out of this mess. Have you ever tried to walk out of a riptide? It doesn't happen. You'll get dragged out the ocean. The more you fight it, the more it drags you out. And sometimes life can get that way. It's, not, it's our natural instinct to take matters into our own hands. But I want to show us today a, a better way to handle this. Okay, so let me ask this question, guys. Those of you that are married, um, have you ever been at the house on Saturday afternoon watching the game, whatever sport you like to watch, and your wife shows up from the grocery store and the trunk is like full, or the back of the truck or the SUV or whatever it is that she drives, there's like 147 Walmart sacks out there. Okay, She comes in carrying her purse and one sack that has the loaf of bread in it and says, baby, can you help me bring the groceries in? And okay. And, and we know right then and there we're in for it. Why? Because we get all of them in one trip. <laughs> Am I right? Yep. It's a really long, slow, painful trip. But by golly, I'm a man, I'm going to get them all. And I walk out to the car with this intense focus. I mean, I naturally look mad anyway, but when I'm in this mode, it, it's, it would scare you. But when I get to the car, what do I do? I'm right-handed, so I take my left hand, and I, I load sacks all the way up to my elbow. And then I start putting like five sacks on every finger, right? There's veins bulging out. I begin to look like James in this arm, right? <laughs> so then I take the other hand and I start wiggling through all the loops of all the rest of the bags that are there. I wind up with 30 or 40 over here and 20, 25 over here, and I take that first step away and I, oh, wait a minute, there's toilet paper. We got to have that. <laughs> so I tuck that under and wow. <laughs> so I brought a picture, guys, to show you. Ladies, this is what we think we look like. But y'all all really know this is what we really look like. <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> it just happens. If you haven't mastered this yet, guys, ladies, whoever's bringing in the groceries, here, here's a tip. You start with the heavy stuff first. You put all your canned goods and milk and Coke and all the, the heavy stuff first. Then you pile it. If you get that backwards and you pick up the bread first and then put all the heavy stuff around it, when you get inside, you've got tortillas, <laughs> not bread. Okay? So here's the thing, though. We get inside, and, and we get to the, the kitchen counter or the floor, if, if it's that heavy, or the pantry or whatever, and we set everything down, and there's this thunderous roar throughout the house because we've set down 15,000 pounds worth of groceries. And the kids come running. The wife comes back in the, in the room, and what do we do? We make sure everybody's looking, and we go, look what I have done. <laughs> Am I right? It happens. But don't we do this in real life? <laughs> don't we do this and not even realize what's going on in real life? Ladies, y'all ladies, do this too. Everybody does this. 
when it comes to real life issues. So what are some heavy things that we carry around? Anybody got bills to pay? Yep. Uh, maybe we'll have some unexpected medical expenses. Maybe we've got to go get a root canal, whatever it is. Maybe we've got kids in sports, and so there's sign-up fees, there's uniform fees, there's travel fees, there's hotels, there's all that stuff. We've got to buy new tires for the car so we can go do all the sports things. Dave Ramsey says I've got to have six months' worth of operating expenses in my bank account before I even start saving. How am I going to make that work? I got to fix the garage door. I need a day off. I got to buy the kid a car. We got insurance, on and on and on and on. And then our bodies start to mess with us, and we get back pain and muscle pain and neck pain and knee pain and headache pain, and we don't have any energy and we can't focus. And then there's mental issues. We get anxiety and fear and depression and panic disorder, and we're piling these things on. We got sadness and wounds and hurts and losses and guilt and shame and comparison, and I feel like I need to do more in order to be accepted. And then we realize my marriage is falling apart, and I need a healthy marriage. I need to be able to communicate with my spouse. I need to be on the same page with them. We need to be serving each other. We need to have a date night. We need to have those things we talked about a couple weeks ago that Pastor Rick did so well on. <laughs> Sounds like we need to be in re-engage on Monday nights. Happens right here in this room at 630, just a free plug right there every Monday night. And there's free child care. And speaking of kids, man, they need their parents. They need coaching. They need bedtime stories. They need attention and love. They need monitoring. They have electronics, which means I've got to turn into a CIA-level hacker to stay a step ahead of them on the electronics. They need correction. They need good friends. They need purpose. They need to make good grades to pay for college because daddy can't make enough money. i got to work too much. Speaking of work, we got to please the boss. Some of us got to be the boss. we got deadlines. we got emails. we got coworkers. we got long hours. we got stress. I owe, I owe, so off to work I go. Anybody heard that Disney song? It's not the way they wrote it. But we pile these heavy things on and carry them. And then there's some lighter stuff that we have to realize takes up just as much room. There, there's honeydew lists. Anybody got a honeydew list at the house? We've got to mow the yard. We've got to organize the garage. We've got to clean the house. We've got to empty the dishwasher. We've got to load it back the right way. We've got to vacuum the house. Yeah. We've got to take out the trash. Marie Kondo's all up in our business these days. And then there's technology. Let's not even get started with texts and emails and phone calls and Facebook, Instagram. Remind me, group me, and i got to kill all the red circles. And then we got to drive in traffic every now and then. Please, dear God, don't let him mention 67 again. I'm tired of it. There's birthday parties. There's holidays. There's spring break. Graduation's coming. School's going to be out for the summer. And what are we going to do from there? Y'all, I'm tired just reading this list. And it's stuff that we carry every day. Let's do something right here. Let's just take a breath. Doesn't that feel better? Like all the tension just melts. If you just stop and take a breath. We have to do that every now and then. How many of you guys have ever gotten everything picked up? You got all the groceries. And you get to the garage door and it's shut. <laughs> and you don't have a free hand to open it. Ladies, I'm, I'm going to help your marriage out right here. A guy will kick the door in and cause $400 worth of damage if he has to wait two seconds too long for that door to be open for him. So help your man out, please. 
because <laughs> doors are expensive. We will bust that thing in. And so how do, when we get overloaded with that whole big list that I just read, you let one little thing go wrong. You let one little thing be outside of our control, and we'll lose our minds. So sometimes you just got to take a breath. This is how we look in real life. We're trying to carry all the burdens that we put on ourselves. How many of those actually came from God? So the, the phrase is God will never put on us more than we can bear. And that's true. But we're applying it wrong. And, and we're trying to apply it to all of these things that we put on our own life. And trying to blame God for that. And it's just not the way it is. Eventually, every one of us is going to wear out and burn out if we continue to try to do this on our own. The strongest person in the room. Anybody think you're stronger than James? There's probably two or three of you in here. Maybe. I doubt it. But even you can't carry this load for very long. We've got some mental level genius, smart people in here. And even they can't figure out a way to do this for very long. Because the truth is, if we could depend on our own strength, we wouldn't need Jesus. We're always in need of God's grace and help. Every day, I need God's grace and help. Find you a blank spot on your note sheet and write this down. Our confidence is not in our independence, but it's in our dependence. Our confidence does not come from being independent, from being able to do this on our own. It comes from dependence on God. We can have confidence in that. We can have confidence when we're desperate enough for God to help us that we just say, I need you. Okay? Charles Spurgeon said it like this, when we come to the end of self, we come to the beginning of Christ. There's this beautiful story in Matthew when you read chapter 4, Jesus is, is bringing his disciples on board. He's beginning his ministry. You get to the end of chapter 4, and he's, he's ministering to thousands of people, big crowds. And they're bringing him all kinds of sick people and, and lame people and, and deaf people and blind people, and he's healing them left and right. And, and there's, there's this four-letter word that I'm trying to kick out of my life, but the word is busy. And you can see that Jesus and the disciples are busy. And they're doing ministry. Okay? They're, they're doing the work that God has called them to do, but they're just busy. And so you start Matthew chapter 5, and it says that Jesus walks up to the top of a mountain to get away from the crowds. Sometimes you've got to get away from the work that God has called you to do and get with the God that called you to do it and spend some time with him. So Jesus steps away from the busy. He steps away from the noise. He steps away from the crowds. And then it also says, if you read the message translation, that, that his disciples, it calls them the apprenticed, his apprentices. And what does it mean to be an apprentice? It means that I recognize that you have more knowledge about what I'm wanting to do than I do. You're a master at this, so I'm going to come study what you're doing. And so these disciples were really Jesus' apprentices. And it says that they followed him to the top of the mountain. And, and this is where Jesus begins to preach the Sermon on the Mount. 
And right off the bat, I want to read the very first thing he said out of the message translation. And I think this is like the keystone verse for this entire message. Okay? Matthew 5, 3. You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. You're blessed. With less of you, watch this, with less of you, there's more of God and his rule. That first part doesn't make sense if you just read it by itself. You're blessed when you feel like life is fixing to to crush you. You're blessed when you feel like there's so much going on, I can't even think straight. Jesus says you're blessed if you catch the second part. When you get out of the way and understand that God wants to help you. When I read this verse, I get a, a really cool mental picture. I see a mountain climber hanging on the side of a cliff, okay? Sylvester Stallone did a movie in the 90s called Cliffhanger, something very similar to that. But I see this guy hanging on the side of a cliff, and he's completely full of climbing gear, but none of it will work where he's at. But he's hanging on for dear life to one rope. Knowing that that rope goes over the top of the cliff to safety, and that there's somebody up there that's stronger than he is. And I see this guy getting tired. And, and he's, he's looking around going, well, I've got all these tools that got me to this point, but they can't take me any further. They can't even save me if I were to fall from here. And just about the time he gets ready to give up, there's a voice that comes from the top of the cliff saying, hang on, I got you. I'm fixing to pull you to safety. That's what I see when I read this verse. You're blessed when you're at the end of this rope. Today, can I remind us that it's okay to not be okay? If we understand where our help comes from. It's okay to be overwhelmed. To be in a position where God is your only hope. Because he's the only hope that works anyway. The more we rely on, ourse- on God and not ourselves, the better off we are. So how can we handle what we can't handle? What do we do when life gets to be too much? Write these down. Number one, remember your weakness. Remember. Anybody ever learned to ride a horse? A few of us? We had horses when I was a little kid. We had some Arabian horses that we showed and all this. Well, then life happened, and I wound up in, in Mena in West Arkansas in high school. And we had some friends that had quarter horses and rodeoed with them from time to time. And so they had some boys that were a couple of years younger than me. We're over at their house one night having a cookout. And the boys decided, hey, let's go ride horses. I'm like, okay, it, it's been a, a minute. It's been a few years since I've ridden, but I loved horses. So they put me on what they thought was the most gentle horse they had. And uh, I remember sitting down and no more got comfortable in the saddle and something spooked that horse, and it took off. Now, truth is, looking back from now, they probably goosed the horse just to mess with me, right? But I remember being scared to death because I'm on a horse that I I can't control. His power is so much bigger than my power. Like, I grabbed a hold of the saddle horn. It's the only thing that kept me from flipping off backwards. I think that's what they wanted to see, but... But then the reins were flying everywhere, and, and so the, the only thing I could do in order to, to hang on for dear life was reach up and grab the horse's hair on the back of his neck. 
And, and I, I pulled myself close and then eventually wrapped my arms around the horse's neck, pulling with all I had to get this horse to stop. Well, that just made him madder, and he started running faster. And I remember thinking, this is not going to end well. I, I'm going to have a broken neck. There's no telling what's going to happen out of this. Fortunately, one of the kids had a faster horse than, than what I was on, and they were able to chase him down, and, and we averted disaster. But I remember thinking, man, <laughs> I... I I can't do anything here. I'm just along for the ride. And I have no idea how to get out of this. No clue. In the Bible, there's lots of verses about horses. And, and typically when you read one of those, the, the picture there is physical strength or physical abilities. And over and over and over again, the Bible tells us, don't rely on your own strength. Don't rely on your own abilities. We'll look at a couple of verses here. Psalms chapter 20. Verse 7, some trust in chariots and some trust in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Some people trust in things that they own or, or abilities that they have, and, and, and some people trust in their own strength. And, and they, they figure out real quick, well, if I don't have this thing, I can go work more and get this thing because this thing is going to be what takes me to the next level. Or if I have this thing and I don't understand how to use it, I can go work on my abilities and thank God for Google because I have saved thousands of dollars at my house in general home and auto repairs. Truth. Did it again yesterday. I don't have the abilities, but I've got Google, and so I can go do that. And so, again, I'm, remind, I'm relying on my own what I can do. And that verse says, no, we've got to trust in the name of God. We've got to trust in God. Psalm 147, his pleasure is not in the strength of the horse, nor his delight in the legs of the warrior. The Lord delights in those who fear him. That's where I want to be. Those who put their hope in his unfailing love. Now, this fear is not a, a scared fear. This fear is not a weak fear. This is the fear that says, God, you are way more powerful than I am. And so I'm going to trust you in every situation. I recognize that in comparison to you, I am weak, weak, weak. Natural strength is temporary. You may not believe this, but I used to look like James does back in the day, okay? But time, gravity, it happens. So I, I'm, I'm asking for a friend. Let's just lay this out there, okay? When does old man strength kick in? Like that, you ever shaken hands with an old guy and he breaks your other hand because he gripped your right hand so strong? When does that kick in? I really, my friend really wants to know that. And, and old man whistling. It's like listening to a saxophone. My friend's ready for that too. It's, it's going to be amazing. But here's the thing. If natural strength was enough, I said it before, I'm going to say it again. If natural strength was enough, we wouldn't need God. So we got to remember that we're weak. Number two, we have to rely on God's grace. We have to rely on on God's grace. So Paul write, wrote two letters to the church at Corinth. And in the second one, he starts it off by telling them some things that he had been through since the last time he talked with them. And if you've ever studied the life of Paul, you realize this guy went through some stuff. I mean, he went through some mess in his life. Okay? So side note, time out. In, in conversations with people, Remember, you really don't know what they're going through. 
Okay? There's a very good possibility they're going through a whole lot more than what they've let you know about. So this is why we've got to have grace in our conversations. Okay, time back in. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, he starts telling this, this story of things that they have been through. He says, we think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed and overwhelmed. There's that word again. Beyond our ability to endure. And when we thought we would never live through it, in fact, we expected to die. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and we learned to rely only on God who raises the dead. And he did rescue us from mortal danger and he will rescue us again. We have placed our confidence in him and he will continue to rescue us. Man, that's some encouraging words right there. He's been to hell and back, but he understands. Can I just point out right here that Paul is not talking about his stuff in a don't worry, be happy mode. He's not acting like it's just not a big deal. Nah, don't worry. Nah, I'm happy anyway. It all turned out fine. It's no big deal. (laughs) Can I tell you a truth here? These songwriters that write those kind of songs, Bobby McFerrin included, you got to know they were stoned out of their brains when they wrote those songs. Okay? How else can you look at life that way? Paul was not there. He acknowledged, you know what? We thought we were going to die. But Paul was so convinced, watch this, he was so convinced of God's calling on his life that he knew if something happened and he died, hey, you know what? I serve a God that raises the dead. I got confidence in that. So if God has asked you to go do something, you better believe his power is enough to rescue you, no matter what life brings your way. None of us, however, have learned, have earned a rescue from God. Not one of us. We've never earned a a rescue from sin. We never can earn a rescue from sin. God's grace rescues us from sin. But God's grace also rescues us from ourselves. Again, we're talking about God will never put more on us than we can bear. We do this to ourselves. Okay? God's grace rescues us. I also want you to notice this. Every time Paul talks about what he went through, he uses the word we instead of me. I'm going to go back and read these verses again, but I'm going to put a little different emphasis on it. We were crushed and overwhelmed. We thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. As a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned only to rely on God who raises the dead. And he rescued us from mortal danger, and he'll rescue us again. We have placed our confidence in him, and he'll continue to rescue us. Paul understood the power and the value of community. Paul understood if you've got people in your circle that are walking through this mess with you, that they can help keep you strong in the mess, and God will rescue all of you. Can I just be bold enough to say right now, get in a group. Get in a life group. Get, in, get some friends around you that will walk through life's mess with you and help keep you focused on God. And number three, we have to receive God's power. Receive God's power. Continue reading 2 Corinthians, and Paul begins to talk about this thing that he called a thorn in the flesh. 
And, and he says, this thing was brought to me. Scholars have all kinds of ideas about what this was. But Paul says, this thing was brought to me so that I would remain humble. And he asked God two or three times to take this thing away from him. And then we read in, in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, God's answer. God says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And then it switches, and Paul says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Again, Paul's asking for this to be taken away, and, and God says, hey, you know what? My grace is sufficient. My power is made perfect in your weakness. Can we all agree that God's power is infinitely stronger than ours and infinitely stronger than all of ours put together? Okay? But let me ask you this. How big is your God compared to your problems? How big is your God compared to the things that you put on yourself? I want to go back to that, that second photo I showed you with all the groceries. Okay? It's funny. The dude's got a loofah hanging off of his ear. And, and we tuck things under our third chin. And, and everything that we can do to carry stuff, we carry stuff. And God's sitting there going, you know what? I can help. I want to help. But I want you to want me to help. I want you to ask me. God's a gentleman. He's not going to just barge in. He gave us free will. He wants us to ask him for help. So let me ask this question. What's that one area of your life that you've resisted giving to God? We're going to make this real easy. Not, not how do you give everything to him. Let's start with one. Because once you figure out how to do one thing, then you can go to the next thing. You can go to the next thing. And God will walk you through everything a piece at a time. But what's that one thing that you haven't given to God yet? What's that one weakness in your life that you don't want anybody to know about? What's that one thing that you're carrying that, that you just honestly believe if this thing falls apart, then the rest of my life just caves in on top of it? What's that one thing? That's the one thing God wants to start with with you. When you're overpowered with life issues, you have a decision facing you. You can decide, I'm going to push through, I'm going to muscle through on your own, knowing that it's not going to last. Or you can decide, hey, I, I'm, I'm going to admit that I'm weak and I need God's help. Open the Bible app this morning, and, and the verse of the day, it's one of my favorite verses, but it, it absolutely fits right here. David said in Psalms 129, 139, verse 23, search me, God, and know my anxious thoughts. That stuff that I'm worried about that I, I haven't asked for help yet, that, that stuff that's bothering me, it's keeping me awake at night. Know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you. This is David asking for help to deal with life's mess and then lead me along the path of everlasting life. David went through some mess too. So how did he become known as a man after God's own heart? He knew the secret of where to turn when you're overwhelmed. Let's bow our heads.
Can I just encourage you to know that power and weakness can exist simultaneously? It can. Jesus had all power in heaven and earth. Healed unknown number of people. Fed thousands out of one to-go meal. And yet, hanging on the cross in a very weakened state, uttered the, the best three words that could have ever been said on earth, it is finished. God's plan to rescue humanity is finished. So you might think, man, I, I can do this. I'm strong enough. I don't want to admit that I'm weak. Let me just remind you, God's power is made perfect in our weakness. So if you're here this morning and, man, there, there's something that's just been keeping you up at night. Something's been bothering you. Maybe it's something in the, the big list that I read. Maybe it's not. But whatever it is, you need to give it to God. Right now, you have a decision. You can give it to God and fall under his power. <laughs> and his rescue is waiting for you to do that. So if that's you, I, wanna, I just want to pray with you. Slip your hand up so I know who I'm, who I'm praying with, please. If, if you've got something that you've been wrestling with, yeah, there's hands all over the place. God, you see every person that just raised their hand. God, you even see the ones that didn't because they don't want to admit yet that, that this is bothering them. But you know their heart, God. You, you, you told us plainly in your word that, that you know our hearts. So God, I'm asking that, that you rescue. I'm asking that you lead us, God, into life everlasting. Lead us into a way to follow you in confidence, knowing that we are dependent on you. Man, maybe you're here and you don't even know what it means to live for God. Maybe you did and life happened. And it's been a minute since you've talked to God. Maybe you've never dedicated your life to God. Definitely want to take an opportunity here if you want to turn your life to God for the first time or maybe for the first time in a while, we want to pray with you. We want to celebrate that decision. It's, it's the most important decision you'll ever make. So if that's you, please raise your hand. I want to pray with you as well. I'm going to turn my life to God. Or maybe I've been away a minute and I want to come back to God. God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you, Lord, for the promise of rescue. I thank you, Lord, that you made it so plain we're blessed when we get to this point. God, I pray that you would open our minds to see the full truth of what that means, that, that it's not a place of shame. It's not a place of, of giving up. 
It's a place of understanding that that's where you're at. You've been waiting for us to get to the point where we turn to you. And you're going to come running to our rescue. God, I pray that you would help us this week to take that one thing that we've been reluctant to give to you and give it to you wholeheartedly, whatever that thing is. Help us to turn our lives to you, God, stronger than we ever have. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.